Hey, Peter. Yes. Merry Christmas, bud. Merry Christmas. Yeah. Man, what are you doing today? You know, I'm spending it with family, with Me the too. kids. Oh, that's beautiful. Watching their little rosy-cheeked faces light up when we get them whatever crappy presents <laughs> we got them. <laughs> yeah, what'd you get them this year? It's, it's, oh, we can't even say it. They might not have opened them yet. They might be listening to the podcast. They don't listen to this. Oh, they don't listen no. to it. Um, so today we have, this is our week of best ofs, or as we like to call it, we don't know what they was. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, I think we have some good episodes. We've been getting some good feedback. Well, I'm really projecting into the future now. You have no idea. I have no idea, yeah, yeah. but we're having fun with it. Um, we have a suggestion for folks. Did you know that? I did know that. That's why we're doing these. Do you, do you know what the timing of, how the timing of this works, though? Uh, I ah, think so. You think so. You open your presents. You watch your loved one open the presents that you gave them, perhaps. Uh-huh. And then it's time to take care of Papa or Mama. That's okay? right. <laughs> Get a little now something for yourself. Now it's time for you. So now we're gonna be th- we want you thinking. We know you're thinking about 2020. Yep. And the whole thing is, do you want to play better next year or do you want to continue to suck? That's, I, know, I, I, do. I don't want to be so crass. On Christmas Day, but isn't that the question? That is the question. And to answer that question, you can go to openstudiojazz.com. You can get whatever course or subscription you want to get, and you could enter the code PLAYBETTER at the checkout, and you could save 40% on all of it. Yes, and this is our, we can't say it's our biggest savings of the year because we had a little bigger on Black Friday, but this is going to be the biggest for the next 10 months. So this is the time to jump in on it. Consider the Piano Access Pass annual access to all of our piano courses at that same great discount. Annual plan gets you the... The boot camp. The boot camp. In January, which we're going to sort of kick your butt through January so that when you come out the other Soldier, side... Soldier, get that wrist up right now! You heard me? <laughs> but by the end, you're going to be playing better. And then, you know, if you get the annual... Come on, maggot! Play jazz better! I promise he's not going to actually say that. But if you get the annual, then you get any of the piano courses that we release throughout the year, which are substantial. They are substantial. It starts out substantial and gets substantial So, Merry Christmas, everybody, and um, enjoy today's mystery episode. So why don't you kick it off with number one? So number one is from great trumpeter Cecil Bridgewater, uh, and he once told me, play half of what you hear. Now, I might have been overplaying a little bit, but (laughs) I think this was his philosophy in general, that you don't have to play every single thing that you're hearing, because... You know, with jazz musicians, we have pretty overactive imaginations and minds, and you can just spurt and spurt, yeah. you know, language all day long, that doesn't mean you should. Yeah. You know, this was very much, uh, when I was a young man, him sort of like guiding you into artistry, which I think is a very solid point. I love it too. And it's like, I love it. It's play half of what you hear because it's like so <laughs> very specific. specific. Yeah. It's not like play less than you hear, which is, makes sense also and falls into that. Yeah. Or it's not even like play one ten. It's like play half of what you hear. Because I, what, I, what else I love, then maybe you do that. And then he might say to you, you know what? Do another half. Do another. So, so now you're at one fourth and it's working out pretty good. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> uh, it has infinite infinite possibilities. Here's, here's the thing. I just want to add one more thing. The tale to this is even if you play half of what you hear, yeah. you're still going to play a lot. Oh, exactly. It's human nature. We just yeah. kind of tend to, to, to overplay, overtalk. Well, and when you play half, I mean, if you actually do this um, and, and get conscious about doing this, especially in your practice or like on a gig, you will be forced to do more listening because you're not playing as many notes. And then you'll start to hear like better how much should you go another half sure. or should you go up to three fourths or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But when you're playing everything that you're hearing, there's no room for listening. No. You know, it's just like if you say, you know, if you meet someone and you start telling them you're excited because you all the things that you know about and then also all your the inner, masters, inner you know? monologue starts <laughs> yeah. going. You know what I mean? Like you're notice I, I used to do that a lot talking. I didn't realize why I didn't have any friends at dinner parties, everyone walk away from me. Now I, I guess I now I have a podcast. <laughs> 
Now, Eli yeah. wants to talk about hand independence, which is part of jazz piano technique. He says, uh, I just okay. bought the ja- uh, um, sorry Brazilian jazz piano course, uh, mm. and I'm beginning to internalize the samba and bossa nova rhythms, but yeah. I need practice tips on how to keep the rhythm going in the left hand while playing the melody slash improvising in the right. I can't do it. Ooh. I take it slow, but easily get off track. Would love a podcast yeah. on this subject or anything that can help me. Like walking yeah. and chewing gum at the same time, only harder Best wishes, Eli. Awesome. Uh, so some practical tips, Eli, for you once you have that belief. Um, and I'll just add to your thing. I believe I can fly. I'm just singing <laughs> a little background music to inspire. I believe okay. my left hand can fly. <laughs> While my right hand is gliding by. That's right, yeah. Practical tips. And, and just first of all, I think you, you know what, what Peter just said is so crucial. Patience has got to be a big part of this. And you have to yes. be consistent with this and really include it in, on, uh, in your daily practice routine if you want to see any results from this at all. You can't just sit down at the gig and be like, okay, and now I'm going to play independently. Um, you really have yeah. to work at this, as he said. So, But, but as he said, you can do this. Um, the first thing you, you need to do is to sort of simplify things. I would start with the most basic... Bossa Nova rhythm uh, that Alio teaches, which is you know something like a dun 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 something like that, mm-hmm. and just play it in your left hand over yeah. and over and over again. One chord, just get that rhythm so solid. I mean, I remember uh, Peter and your jazz piano for beginners course. You talk about this a little bit about hand independence, and and you say something to the effect of you just have to make it so easy on yourself that it's not, it's not overwhelming anymore. And the only way to do that is repetition. So start with the most simple thing, the, and, and not the simple thing that I just said, but whatever you consider to be simple, something that's easy for you right. to do and really work it in your left hand only at first until it's, it's like you can chew gum and do it at the same time. You can check your email and still keep it going, keep it in the, in the pocket and then start adding your right hand in, but add it in in a very simple way. Maybe don't even start with the melody of the tune. Maybe just start with whole notes so you can feel what it feels mm-hmm. like to, to play whole notes and then do half notes and then maybe quarter notes. And then you can right. start mixing in some syncopations, but you're not going to be able to just go in there and do the girl from Ipanema with complete hand independence after you've practiced it in your left hand for an hour. You really have to feel what it's like for the hands to work against each other than to go and work with each other. Um, that yeah. is definitely uh, where I would start with this. Um, okay, next idea for how to crush it. How to crush it on crush every solo. Come on. Um, start with a strong opening statement. A great jazz solo is not unlike a successfully adjudicated court case, right? You Pros- gotta come prosecute up. a lot of court cases. Prosecu- I did, you know. Bam, a great solo is like, you know, um, guilty as charged. <laughs> um, yeah, so we want to come out of the gate with a strong opening statement. That does not mean you have to come out yelling. It does not mean it has to be loud. or yep. the, the In fact, that usually is not the way to start it. For sure. There may be some situations. Strong, you know, just strong just means appropriate, appropriately strong for the situation. But something that gets the listener's attention in a positive way, not like I'm... Okay, now I've got your attention. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there might be an occasional time. You want to come in jabbing. You want to come in, yeah. Do something to engage the listener like you'd engage your your opponent um, and get the party started in the right way, though, you know? Number three, uh, confidence is key, I find. Anytime I see someone who is not confident take a solo or really do anything, 
I'm totally taken out of it. And, yeah. and they've lost me because I don't believe that they believe what they're doing. Yes. And that's not cool. Like, not and that's cool. just not going to connect with anybody. So no bueno on that. Wrong and strong. That's no, right. <laughs> but honestly, like whatever you do, come at it with, you are the authority in that moment not on what is going on. You are the authority on your playing. Right. And so you shouldn't give a rat's ass about what's happening outside of the, the bandstand. Sorry. What a strange. No, I, I, it's <laughs> correct. And it's you. I'm like, what a strange statement, though. Rat. I mean, comparing something to it. Why do we do that? I, I, I guess it's because it's worthless. All right, so number three is we have a G major pentatonic. Whoa. Over a C major seven or C major nine. So, okay. you know, when we have a C major nine chord. I'm just forgetting one note there. Oh, I sure. Like that, right? That's yeah. right. So, so, and these are really note choices that you can have. So, if we had that was a noteworthy choice you made. Noteworthy choices, and we're even going to go Duly next level noted. on the next one. But you could just go on a C major chord, like a C major, but that's a little square. Yeah, very square. Right, it's kind of an older sound. Um, but you hear cats with a Z running these pentatonic scales off of the, based off the fifth, you know. Again, yep. you can practice these by going up. So I'm going up a G major pentatonic, G, A, B, D, E. Yeah. Over C. One, two, three, and five, six. This time, maybe come down. I liked your way from the uh, technique course down up. Yeah. That's a nice one. Right? You're going, skipping one down and then going up and yep. skipping one and coming down. So, yep. Yeah. Good stuff. I like it. So that's G major. And do you ever think about it like one, two, three, five, six? That major pentatonic? Like the interval, I mean the scale tones? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I do. Now that I've implanted that in your head, you will. Because I, I wouldn't think about it like one, two, three, four, five. Right. You know, right. I would think about it in relation to the major scale because yep. that's just been what's drilled in me. Yeah, they, me too. I mean, and it always connects it with the ear when I start thinking about going into other keys, the shapes. Exactly. And then what it sounds like, you know. Because, yeah, because to me, like, like this shape, that to me is like, oh, that's based off the sixth of G, right? That's a minor sound to me. You right. Know what I'm Uh, and that leads us right into number six, which is to compose music uh, when you're on the road, to really think about uh, composition. And maybe it's something that when you're at home, you know, in your normal routine, you just never have time to do or you want to do more of. You know, it's kind of like reading more. Sometimes when you get out of town, uh, taking a trip, you know, you bring a book along, you can be a little more focused to hit that. I think composition is the same way. And you can do this anywhere. You know, you don't have to have a piano. You don't have to have a guitar. Um, you can uh, do it by ear. It's obviously it's harder if you haven't done a lot to to, to be able to compose away from your instrument. Um, but it's it's basically it's definitely possible. And in fact, a lot of times for me, it's a preferable a preferable way to compose at least the early stages of working through a composition. And actually, um, Adam and I have talked about this. I think on the podcast, but definitely we've talked about it with each other. He really likes that to, do, to you know at selected times of the composition pro process to uh, compose away from the piano, away from everything, maybe go outside somewhere. And so all it takes is, you know, some notation paper, or you can even just bring your phone along and, you know, sing something or make some notes that way, you know, with the audio recording. 
Um, but I, I, I find traveling is a great time to work on composition, and that ultimately is a big part of our musicianship again that's going to contribute to keeping our playing uh, together. If you're trans constantly transcribing, you're going to be constantly getting things that you can apply to your playing, but it's going to be like a rolling effect. So it's not going to be coming like right in real time as you transcribe that you're going to be able to incorporate that into your playing. It might be months later. That's where the patience part. So I think if you take some of these things, I know we're always saying like, let it come out of your playing organically and it should, but maybe taking a few phrases, especially as you're playing that exact tune and playing them. You know, maybe when you're practicing, maybe on the gig. I, I still don't like doing it on the gigs. I think it's just going to sound contrived. It but if you does. play some of those, it does. Yeah. But if you say play some of those phrases when you practice enough that it just sort of starts to roll off of your fingers, then it can become a part of your language. It's still going to become a part of your language, even if you just listen to a solo a lot. But the actual playing of it, and then what we talked about for sure is playing along with the recording. I think that's something that we've mentioned, but people need to be doing more of just. You know, after you learn the solo, play with the recording. Keep the headphones on. Get the speakers going. Play along with it. Match the phrasing. Match the vibe. Um, don't just get so excited that you move right on to the next solo. I love it. Uh, and another thing to think about with this, I love the coming at it from a language aspect. And something that you can do, Paul, if you feel like you have something but it's not coming through, is to break it down a little bit and see what are the moves of this uh, this solo. What are the moves of maybe this lick that I like here or this voicing that I like here why did this player play this and how can I use this not only in the context of this tune or this chord but in other ways like is it the shape that I like is it because it has this motion to the line this shape to the line that I enjoy or is it uh, does it play off of expectations from what happened before it like doing a little analyzation um, you know, and this is after you know the solo, you can play with the record, you you don't need yeah. the music. But I've done this before and it's been very helpful. It's just helping me see sort of perhaps what the player is thinking or even just getting like a sense of, oh, this player like, uh, you know, plays uh, this scale over this chord, but this other player plays this scale over this chord. That's interesting that they do these two different things and these are my options. And you know what I mean? That's All cool. of those kinds of things can be really helpful as far as just ingraining it eventually. So if you're having trouble if you're getting a little stuck with it not coming out maybe just take a step back and ask yourself okay why do i like this what is it about this solo and then and then get you know surgical with it what is it about this bar or this lick yeah. or this phrase that i yeah. really love and why does this work against the chord um you know yeah. oh, it's a combination of arpeggios and enclosures and a scale or it's a you know a, a pentatonic run that starts and stops and you know then leaps or whatever you know those kinds of things just like looking at phrases phrase by phrase looking at voicings phrase by phrase can really help you uh, decipher maybe some of the intent behind it and hopefully lock it in even more mm -hmm.